everyone, you're listening to American Indian Airwaves. For Marcus Lopez, I'm your host, Larry Smith. It's going to take all of us, because we're fighting that oldest evil in this world. We call him Eden, the trickster. He's known throughout the world by many names. Lucifer, the devil, all these things. This evil entity that's, you know, here. And that's in the form of corporations and colonialism that's really detached us from who we are and our spirituality and what's taken the indigenous people, exiled them out of their holy sites and their ancestral homelands and placed them as prisoners of war. Today on American Indian Airwaves, protecting Oak Flat, an active cultural sacred site to the San Carlos Apache Nation peoples and surrounding Native American nations. Oak Flat is a 2,200-acre site located in Tonto National Forest where a joint venture corporation, Resolution Copper, plans to build one of the largest open ore and copper mining pits in the world. We'll speak with two members of the Apache Stronghold on their journey from back home to San Francisco, California for the upcoming Ninth Circuit Court hearing seeking an injunction to protect and save Oak Flat. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves. You can hear when the moon shines bright The lone fool elk in the black of the night You can hear, you can hear The whisper in the valley mm-hmm. And you know when come a knee blow In 2015, the United States Congress passed the National Defense Authorization Act. Included in it was a rider called the Southeastern Arizona Land Exchange and Conservation Act of 2014. As part of the act, the land exchange would grant Oak Flat a 2,200-acre site within the Tonto National Forest to the company Resolution Copper, a subsidiary of BHP and Rio Tinto. Resolution Copper plans to build one of the largest open ore and copper mining pits in the world. If successful, the pit would leave a crater about 1,000 feet deep and two miles across. Today on American Indian Airwaves, I have the honor and pleasure of speaking with two members of the San Carlos Apache Nation and members of the Apache Stronghold. The Apache Stronghold has been instrumental in leading the struggle and the fight to protect the active cultural sacred site known as Oak Flat. I start the interview with Leanne Bighorse, followed by Vanessa Nosey, on their journey from back home to San Francisco, California for the upcoming Ninth Circuit Court hearing where the Apache Stronghold is seeking an injunction to prevent the land exchange and protect Oak Flat. 
Well, thank you for, for giving us this opportunity. Dagote, she, Dr. Leanne Big Horse Gonze, she, Seven Mile Yugonshli, she, Twitajini Ishli, Shema Teresa Nozi, Shita Winsler Nozi Sr. Hello, my name is Leanne Big Horse, and um, I, I live in San Carlos, I live in Seven Mile. Uh, my parents are Winsler and Teresa Nozi, and I am a member of the Apache Stronghold. And um, we are on our uh, spiritual convoy to the Ninth Circuit Court. So since uh, last Saturday, uh, we have uh, taken on this, this journey, uh, this sacred journey for unification and um, for, for prayer. And we began at our holy place at Oak Flat, Chichil Patagotel, and uh, we hiked up uh, to Apache Leap, three and a half mile hike, a whole group of us hiked up and, and we offered prayers uh, at Apache Leap. And that's the uh, site where, where more than 100 Apaches jumped off instead of being captured by the U.S. Cavalry. Um, and it's truly an amazing place. You're, you're high above everything and you can just see um, the land miles in, in every direction and it's just it's beautiful and the wind uh even the air is different cleaner and so you know we went to to our holy places at, at oak flat and we prayed uh we also went to gone canyon which uh historically is they have na now named devil's canyon um that's uh, the name they have on there but to our people it's gone canyon it's where our deities our mountain spirits um, which would be angels um, in the English language um, where they travel through and uh, we offer prayers there and so the whole day we were able to just be at Oak Flat um, connecting with um, all the elements and offering prayers we see the difference in, in the landscape from, from how it was before to how it is now you know, we had wildfires throughout Arizona that came through, and then we had, a, you know, the monsoon came through and the floods, and it looks like, you know, the area is being reborn, and it's a beautiful process because Resolution Copper, the, the mining company that sits right there up on the hill that's trying to, trying to destroy the whole area and turn it into a huge crater, they, they have been dewatering the area. Uh, so they've been taking out all the water. So the natural waterways um, have been dry. But as we hike and, and we go to, to our holy places, nature is, is rejuvenating itself, um, you know, this, this cycle of life. And so it, w it was truly incredible to be in that space. And then we journeyed on, and we, uh, our community, our San Carlos Apache community, um, the reservation, the concentration camp where our people were put, as prisoners of war, you know, they, they wanted to do a holy ground blessing for us, and we went to the community where our medicine people welcome, welcomed us and um, our veterans and our elders, and they let us know that they're with us. You know, they might not be able to be standing with us on our journey, but they're, they're with us in prayer, and they're behind us, and they're proud of us. They're proud that we're, we're fighting for who we are and, and for our next generations. And we were reminded that we need to stay focused, that we need to make sure that the journey is about prayer. And that's the one message that we carry on this journey is that um, as it was in the beginning of our people, we had one prayer, one drum, and one circle. And we defended all of humanity with that one prayer, that one drum, and that one circle. 
So as we're on this journey, me and my sister here and, and all of our, you know, family, our extended family, all these people that have come to join us and, and be a part of, of this uh, spiritual convoy, um, you know, we focus and, and we're praying and we're coming through all these different communities throughout um, Arizona and California um, in prayer. Uh, we, we journeyed to the Tucson area where we met with the Dona Autumn people at their sacred area, uh, which is now A Mountain, which uh, the University of Arizona has put a very large A claiming the mountain there. But that's their traditional place. And so they reclaimed the mountain while we were there. And it was a truly incredible experience to be uh, in the power of, of the Autumn people. And then we journeyed to the Southside Presbyterian Church. There we were welcomed with open arms, and, and, and so many different churches gathered to get together there. Religious, different, different faiths came together and, and prayed with us. Uh, it was beautiful. And then we journeyed on to uh, the Phoenix area, where that's the traditional homelands of the Oatham and the Peepash people. And we were in the Salt River Pima Maricopa Indian community, and they welcomed us into their Oroski, uh, which is their, their traditional home, and we prayed there. Uh, we were able to go to uh, Brophy College Prep uh, and pray with the Native American students there who have uh, joined uh, with Apache Stronghold and have uh, run over 100 miles from their sacred mountain at, at San Francisco Peaks to be with us and pray with us at Oak Flat. Uh, we journeyed on to the Peeposh, uh, Gila River Peeposh community, where they were able to um, uh, do a blessing for us there that uh, of protection and, and protecting our journey through through their ancestral homeland. Uh, we went to uh, the Colorado Indian tribes, the Quachong people, the, the Kokopa. Uh, then we came through Morongo and La Jolla, and then we, we were welcomed in that uh, the Chumash, the Wistoyo Chumash community, and all these different tribes, they were so welcoming and just inviting us in, and the hospitality was just beautiful. And what we're reminded of is this is how it used to be. This is how our people used to be united together with prayer, and um, this is the right way to do it. And as we were raised, is you know, when you leave your homelands, you're entering to another ancestral homeland of other Native people. And you always come with respect and with prayer. And so that's what we're doing. We also have so many church people and, and uh, the Poor People's Campaign with us that, that are joining us. In. And this is a beautiful, beautiful experience we, we've been able to be a part of. It. And, um, you know, I just want to thank all those different communities that have welcomed us. Um, here, the community that we're with, they're just overwhelmingly welcoming and, and you know, uniting with us in prayer. So I, I, I do want to introduce my sister, uh, my, my sister Vanessa Nosey, um, who has actually embarked on this journey for, for much longer. And she, um, she has raised a beautiful family mm. um, in this struggle and has raised beautiful, uh, just strong young women. And so this this is my sister here, Vanessa Nozzi. Sagutashi, Vanessa Nozzi Gosashi, Sankarapaliu, the Tasha Mani Wesler, and Teresa Nozzi. Hello, my name is Vanessa Nozzi. My parents, my mother, my father, and my mother are Wesler and Teresa Nozzi. I thank you again, and thank you to my sister for the great introduction. I know she gives me a lot of credit, but she's my oldest 
my older sister, and uh, I couldn't be where I'm at or the person I am without my sister in my life that set these uh, great examples of, uh, of how she builds her family and, uh, and has uh, such an amazing children because she's an amazing mother, so I want to just thank her for that. But like uh, she was saying, you know, we started this spiritual convoy to the Ninth Circuit Court and touching with all these people, bringing all their prayers, not just the indigenous community, but the non-indigenous community. Years ago, when my dad started the fight, he said that um, the holy people had asked him, what does he want? And he said he wanted people who pray. And his vision is because we as indigenous people need everyone in order to make change in this world, in order to save Mother Earth, save humanity for those yet to be born. It's going to take everyone to come together and to unify. And, and that's what this convoy is about. Our vision, my dad's vision, our dad's vision behind this convoy and embarking on this, uh, this spiritual journey, this war, is uh, one drum, one circle, one prayer, because we must defend humanity as one prayer, one drum, one circle. And so it's going to take all of us, because we're fighting that oldest evil in this world. We call him Eden, the trickster. He's known throughout the world by many names, Lucifer, the devil, all these, these this evil um, entity that's you know, here, and, and that's in the form of corporations and colonialism that's uh, really detached us from who we are and our spirituality and what's taken the indigenous people, um, exiled them out of their, their holy sites and their ancestral homelands and placed them as prisoners of war. But now everybody is under that umbrella that, that this evil that sits in our homes, that sits in... Uh, right next to us, and that's because of these corporations or the the system that we live in, you know, the the, the mainstream of those worlds, and it's not embedded in our children and in our families of, like, prayer and rooting ourselves, and, and that's what we're facing. That's what Okpa and Tejabataka is, is facing, is this corporation that's coming in with a force full of money and greed and power over morals and humanity and spirit. And so when we're traveling on this convoy, we know how, how sacred and how spiritual it is because now that on this side of the world, years ago when, when we first exist and that, that evil that Eden came on this side, he couldn't penetrate because all indigenous people were in sync. No matter where we were at, no matter how far we were from one another, that, that our spirituality was strong. But now we have to reroute ourselves, and now we have to be that, that strong force, that shield. But, it's, but now that it's not just not indigenous people here, it's all people. So all people have to be, to be in sync, that one drum that one prayer, that one circle. And you're listening to American Indian Airwaves. We're speaking with Leanne Bighorse and Vanessa Nosi. They are citizens of the San Carlos Apache Nation and members of the Apache Stronghold. The Apache Stronghold has been instrumental in leading the fight and struggle to protect the active cultural sacred site, Oak Flat. 
We're speaking with them on their journey to San Francisco, California for the Ninth Circuit Court hearing to seek an injunction to prevent the land exchange of Oak Flat to Resolution Copper, who plans to build one of the largest open ore and copper mining pits in the world. And now back to the interview. You know, and, and it's and that's what we're asking. We're asking everybody to unify, no matter what space you are, no matter what color you are, because the system that we're trying to change affects everyone. And, you know, it goes back to when our dad decided to, to vacate the reservation. You know, I know a lot of our non-Native communities don't realize that when you're a federally recognized tribe, that means that your tribal members that are enrolled into that tribe are awarded to the government. You know, uh, we're still placed as prisoners of war. They just pretty up with pretty words and disguise it because we can go to our border towns, you know, or we can travel, but those 1800 laws still exist. And we know that because we've seen what's happened with Oak Flat. We've seen what's happened with our other fight, Mount Graham, you know, this one, Chelsea, and we know that those 1800 laws still exist. And so two years ago, our father, uh, this the end of November, two years ago, will be two years that our father said enough was enough. Um, he was tired of the federal government continuing to lie to our people, and not just the indigenous people, not just the Apache people, but all people, because you have to understand how America was founded, you know, the deceit, the lies that created this, this, this colonialism and has really embedded these lies. You know, the true history of, of indigenous people doesn't exist. And because our, if you look at our... From generation to generation, those lies are still being taught. The the conversations haven't changed at home. And so when my our dad decided to say enough was enough, in November he went to Washington, D.C. and went to meet with the United States Department of Agriculture and different congressmen and senators and gave him a letter saying that he was vacating uh, the reservation, the, the prison, and uh, going back to his ancestral homelands where he rightfully is needs to be and should be. And he was he was really, you know, like the phrase, enough is enough. You're going to not lie to myself, to me, to my family, to my people, all people. And I'm going to go back to our ancestral homelands. I'm going back to Chichilbastogopil because of your negligence. Um, you are not only up to your responsibilities of protecting the natural resources, protecting the religion, you know, protecting humanity, Mother Earth, all that that's entailed in this fight. He said, enough was enough, and I'm going home. So he embarked on a um, three-day run walk back to Chichibasabasil, uh, and um, it was beautiful. It was amazing because... Um, within these these few days that he traveled by foot, he met all the elements. He touched all the. It rained. It snowed. It hailed. It was hot. He felt all four seasons mm. in this this journey home. And you know what's really sad as a as his daughter, both of us. You know we were taught in our home that we are we are prisoners of war, 
And um, I know for myself and for my sister and um, the rest of our family is while we watch our dad go home, you know, you can see the, the, the hardship. You can see the stress, the worries, all in him. You know, for our, our whole lives, we saw our dad, even at the time when he's supposed to be enjoying his day, like with his grandkids or his family or, you know, being a simple man, a humble man, you see him still thinking. You see him still praying. And uh, as he gets to old flat, everything changed. He was free. His spirit was free. And that's why our people, our ancestors cried for so many years as being prisoners of war or knowing that their families were murdered because of placed as uh, on these concentration camps and being uh, stripped from their homeland, they cried. I remember hearing stories of my, my great-great-grandfathers and grandmothers crying and, and being scared and fearful for their lives. And as my dad got older and meeting his grandparents and his great-grandparents and, and the people, the community that were, you know, sick because they were uh, prisoners, he, they used to cry to him and say, like, we want to go home. And he said, well, someday I'm going to take you home. And they laughed because they knew, they thought that it would never happen, that they would always be here as prisoners of war. And so that moment when he was going back, he took them home. Even though they weren't physically here, they went home. Because as soon as he touched Oak Flat, as soon as he laid his bed down, I've never, we've never seen our father so free. Of course, he still carries the burden uh, protecting our religion, protecting our way of life. But his spirit was alive. And all I could do was look at him, and uh, I saw I get emotional, but uh, look at him with smiles. You could see it in his eyes. And at that moment when I left him and I had to go back to St. Carlos, I've never literally felt those chains mm. on my wrist and on my ankles. And it made me think of what he said. He tells the world, he tells the indigenous people, go back to your homelands. That's the only way we can protect our way of life. That is the only way we can protect our religion. Because we all know that the United States system says we are no longer existent. That we are people of the past. That our religion is not a religion. And so... He said, it's enough. I'm done. I'm, I'm tired of this, and I'm going to go back where it's rightfully my home. And so, you know, these are the things that happened. I know you did an interview with him like two years ago or so. And, and so this is what happened is since that, that he is permanently residing at, at Oak Flat. Uh, we are continuing to fight through spirituality, through ceremonies. We do have our lawsuit that's in place, and that's why the spiritual convoy exists. Is because, you know, um, we're, we're asking for the Ninth Circuit Court to grant us the preliminary injunction on uh, Toronto National Forest Service with Resolution Copper that they cannot, um, uh, they cannot proceed with uh, their final environmental impact because when the final environmental impact is, is issued, that's starts the clock, the 60 days and the land transfer happens, 
and so we're showing them that um, in our lawsuit that our religion is uh, is that immediate harm because you know we have to look at the fight we have to look at the the issue why this is such a big important thing is because the United States government along with the uh, resolution copper these profit they see they see those money signs but yet they're willing to destroy a religion they're they're willing to destroy mother earth that gives us natural resources that you know holds all this beauty from our medicine to our food but also our water you know you look at superior is five miles west of superior arizona is five miles west of oak flat and then uh about 15 12 to 15 miles east of oak flat is the miami globe area and then you have your border towns around and of course the metropolitan area is not too far it's about an hour drive 50 minutes or so it's all going to be contaminated our aquifer that that deep groundwater is going to be contaminated there's not enough water in arizona to sustain uh this huge copper mine and and but they're looking at that profit which is sad because all the if you look at all the statements and the statistics of what resolution copper is doing uh with the copper ore, it's not even going to stay here in the united states it's going to china you know and then they got to buy it back that makes no sense and then they're exempt from all federal laws and then you look at the environmental dis- disaster that's going to happen we're not going to have any water. Our air is going to be polluted even more. We we worry about healthcare issues. I mean, this this whole deal is just wrong in every which way. The spirituality of the indigenous people, and then not even that. You know, we've had a lot of non-natives that had a, spir- a spiritual connection and experience with Opa, but because they're white, it, it's not existence to the government. You know, um, because their way is the Bible. It's not Mother Earth. And so even them are being discriminated with their own beliefs. And then you have the environmental issue. We talk about climate change. And then the whole point of it is that why they're pushing is that this profit over religion, you know, and there's no way you can uh, replace it. If Resolution Copper gets the land exchange in a matter of time, we've already seen how the Earth is cracking because they're dewaterizing, they're dewater, dewaterizing the, the area. And so the, the earth is dry right there. Mother Earth is losing her water. And so the ground, the top surface is already cracking. So they're even lying about their statistics on, oh, the, the amount of years that it will take for it to subside. No, we're already seeing the effects. And that's scary. And so once it subsides, that's it. You know, Leanne and I are both mothers, and um, she has a daughter that's um, around the corner for her to embark on her coming-of-age ceremony. And her dream is to have it there, just like many other girls that have stepped over the, the boundaries, knocked down those walls, and said, I'm going back to our sacred places to have our coming-of-age ceremony so I could be reborn again. And so my niece, is, is that's where she wants it. How do my how does my sister turn around and tell her you know I don't know if we can have it there or no we can't you know and that that vision that that pulls her that spirit that pulls my niece to old flat is gone and then I have myself I have a daughter that's 
had her coming of age ceremony there, what happens to her life once it's destroyed? Because in our ceremonies, we believe that it paves the life, paves her life for the rest of her life. It, it, it's that that hot uh, thin life, that yellow life, that that life of good. And when there's destruction, you know what happens to her life? Is she going to have more hardship than what life gives us? You know, as normally, will she not live to be an old woman because her life will be severed in half? You know, I have that. And then I have a one-year-old. What about her life? She stands at a crossroad, as little as she is, because we teach them as soon as they take their first breath what it is to be Apache, teaching that spirituality, that way of life. And so, like, I'm teaching her, but she's at a crossroad. Either she's going to be able to be Apache and be free and, and be able to pray, at her sacred sites and know what it is, especially as a as a girl, as a woman, as she grows, to be able to pick the the chill, the acorn, the medicine, or is she only going to have the idea of what it is to be Apache and never fully experience it? Because I can't take her to Oak Flat. I can't show her those prayers that originated there because it's going to be gone. So you know, it's that form of of uh, kill the Indian, save the man. That's what we're still fighting to this day. Because Oak Flat, if it is gone, the Apache people will no longer exist. That spirit that was placed, that was given by Creator, by Yusuf, is going to be gone forever. That's the difference. Oak Flat, if it's destroyed, it's gone forever. And that's why our father said, I can't do this. I will, I will continue to stay there, pray there, and if it takes my life, it takes my life, you know, and, and, and that's why as a family, we've had to accept, and um, because we're dealing with a multi-billion corporation, we're fighting this evil, and so to know that our father is there, you know, majority by himself, uh, especially with COVID, you know, and so he's holding it down, living his life there for all of us. But it's uh, you know, that's that's where we're at. That that's that's what we're doing. That's that's where my father is at. Is you know, is risking his life mm. and uh, that fight and, and uniting all people, sharing those blessings because we all face that same struggle. And you're listening to American Indian Airwaves. We're speaking with Leanne Bighorse and Vanessa Nosey. They are members of the San Carlos Apache Nation and members of the Apache Stronghold. The Apache Stronghold has been at the forefront of leading the struggle in the fight to protect Oak Flat. Oak Flat is a 2,200-acre sacred and cultural site in the Tonto National Forest of what is known as Arizona, If the land is exchanged to a company called Resolution Copper, a joint venture between BHP and Rio Tinto, Resolution Copper will build one of the largest open ore and copper mining pits, leaving a crater almost a thousand feet deep, two miles wide, and permanently destroying what is known as Oak Flat, an active cultural sacred site to the San Carlos Apache Nation and surrounding Native American nations. That was part one of a two-part interview. We'll play the second part here shortly in just a minute. 
If you like the work we do here on American Indian Airwaves and KPFK, we ask listeners to continue to support us in the station. You can become a KPFK Sustainer Circle member by visiting the kpfk.org website and clicking on the pledge widget and make monthly donations in a dollar denomination of your choice. Or you can pick up this brand new book as a $100 thank you item or premium item. The book is called Red Nation Rising from Border Town Violence to Native Liberation. It is an in-depth investigation on the violent dynamics of border towns and settler colonialism and its impact on indigenous peoples in the respective First Nations. You can pick up the book by calling 818-985-5735, 818-KPFK, or visit the kpfk.org website and click on the pledge widget and select a premium item of your choice. Marcus? Yes, Larry. Larry, the and listeners, the, the conversation Larry had with the struggle of Oak Flat is important in the kind of programming we do here in the American Indian Airways and KPFK station. We need to support the station. Without the station, these newscasts and information, cultural information, factual information, is not available to any commercial radio station because of the fact that many of the radio stations and TV stations have been taken over by right wing or the commercial stations won't take even approach these questions of indigenous struggles. Now, the book, Red Nations Rising, is a formidable study on the question of liberation, the question of border town, and what they mean by the border town is very interesting. And they say that the border town is, is everywhere, and, sell, and the settler colonialism that Native people are confronted every moment, every every day of their, our lives. Like all property, and I'm quoting, Larry, the border town is many things at once. It is a thing, and it's a relations, a place, and a project. Further on, they say that the aim of the book is not to offer a cultural or even a geographical analysis of border town. Rather, we seek an analytical precision for the category, a category we believe is crucial in the struggle for national liberation. So Red Nations Rising, he later on, therefore makes a contribution to scholarly studies of colonialism. Ours is an elaboration of a collective native experience of struggle against colonialism. Larry, it's a process in which they unravel the questions in which many authors have talked about history, but the hot spots of Indian country, the issues of Indian country, and then in turn, they focus on the relationship or the or relations between colonialism, between imperialism and capitalism itself. It unfolds this. The conclusion is really vital. The conclusion is interesting. And the conclusion is, is a continued dialogue on what is well about the Native movement today in the United States and it's the so-called the international borders, but the border, I think, Larry, is very important because it talks about this notion of this relationship with colonialism. Is this not a geographical area, but in the cities, in the rurals, in the reservations, and the areas that people are at, it's a very telling read and a one that we offer here on the American 
Indian Airways. Sorry. Uh, Marcus, you're so right when it comes to, um, you know, commercial media and, and indigenous peoples. And we talk about liberation, you know, we need to liberate the the media escape, if you will, from the neocons or the conservatives and the corpocracy, the handful of corporations that own, you know, these legacy media companies and, and even the second tiered media companies that uh, fail to cover indigenous issues and fail to have indigenous voices uh, within their corporate-owned media structure. And that's one of the benefits uh, here on KPFK is that we do have indigenous voices and indigenous programmers like us here on American Indian Airwaves and, and other indigenous programmers that provide that vital community service of opening up the airways and liberating those spaces for indigenous peoples and their respective First Nations and cover the hard-hitting grassroots issues like Oak Flats uh, that listeners are hearing uh, earlier and we'll hear more of that interview here shortly. And I think, you know, having indigenous voices is absolutely crucial to democratizing the mediascape, if you will, but also to engaging in other forms of liberation and sovereignty is to liberate and create more sovereign media spaces. And though that is the kind of work that you and I do here in trying to uplift uh, marginalized indigenous peoples, especially on the front lines and at the grassroots level, who virtually are deprived of any type of media coverage. And that's just one of many benefits that we provide for our listeners and for the station here on KPFK. And, you know, the book, Red Nation Rising from Border Town Violence to Native Liberation is a $100 thank you gift. It's a $100 premium item. You can pick it up by calling 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, or you can visit the KPFK website and go to the pledge item cart and choose uh, a thank you gift of your choice, or you can become a KPFK Sustainer Circle member by making monthly donations in a dollar denomination of your choice, and that's at kpfk.org. We want to encourage you to keep supporting the work that we do here on American Indian Airwaves and encourage you to keep supporting KPFK and the spectrum of diversified voices and opinions and information that we provide as a community service to all of you throughout the Southern California area and all of you out there globally that digitally stream us here on American Indian Airwaves and KPFK. Marcus? Larry, we offered the book Red Nations Rising not because it's some fun reading or not because it's entertaining, but it's needed, number one. The dialogue is needed. And we provide the programs like you're going to listen to the Oak Flat struggle. And this is not the only struggle, but this is now what's going on. If you were doing the community a favor, our listeners, sponsor radio, we're doing you a favor, do us a favor. Pick up the phone. Go to your computer. Go to your source to contact in order to pick up the book. We're doing this as a gift to you, our listeners. We really appreciate you all to listen to the American Indian Airways and KPFK and other programs in KPFK. This book provides you with an, a sense of longing for the truth, number one. But secondly, 
It gives you more of an ammunition, you might say, and the struggle against capital or struggle for liberation, the struggle against colonial settler society. And what that all means, and in and, and this book, you talk about the border town violence and the violence. And we have to, number one, see what our minds and our soul is connected with and how we achieve this in order to achieve true liberation. And that's the important thing. Liberation and within the book, Marcus, we want to remind listeners they can pick up the book Red Nation Rising by calling 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, or visit the kpfk.org website and pick up the book there. Or they can become a KPFK Monthly Sustainer Circle member by clicking on the pledge widget and making monthly donations in dollar denominations of their choice. We want to shift back to part two of our interview with Leanne Bighorse and Vanessa Nosi of the San Carlos Apache Nation and the Apache Stronghold. The Apache Stronghold continues to be at the forefront in defending and protecting Oak Flat. They're on their spiritual journey to San Francisco, California for a Ninth Circuit court hearing to stop the land exchange. If the land exchange occurs, Resolution Copper plans to construct one of the largest open ore and copper mining pits in the world, leaving a crater almost a thousand feet deep and two miles across. And now, part two of our interview on protecting Oak Flat. When I listen to you talk about prisoner of war, I think about corporations like Resolution Copper that are holding Mother Earth as prisoners of war. And when we talk about uh, sacred places like Oak Flat and the work that you're doing um, on behalf of the people, but also for future generations, that, um, you know, it's just not about us as, as human beings. It's, uh, and we know this uh, through indigenous traditions. It's also about the other relations, the two-legged, the four-legged, the plants and the animals. And I was wondering if you can uh, speak to that uh, more so we understand and appreciate and, and can help with the work in trying to protect and save Oak Flat for future generations. So um, I just, I want to share an experience with you. So um, just a couple, about a month ago, um, I was a godmother in our womanhood ceremony at Oak Flat. And um, during this ceremony, you know, we lived there. And, and, you know, we, we were there at a time when they were actually closed the road down um, that goes through, and so there was no traffic because they were doing some repairs on on, on the uh, on the bridge that's not too far. So they rerouted all the traffic, and so during that time, us that were were going through the ceremony and our families were the only people up there, and um, it was a truly incredible experience. Now we've been to Oak Flat many times. We we've stayed there many many times. But this time, you know, there was no traffic, and the animals were starting to come out again. Um, you could hear them in the evening time. Uh, you, could, you, you could see them. You could see their path. And, you know, for the time that we were there, almost a whole month we were there, uh, preparing, getting ready um, for the ceremony, and then breaking down after, the whole experience is, is like, like a new door. And, and the way it was explained to us is like there's corridors that you go through. And this experience, for me, for myself, 
I felt like, because I had my children with me as well, is that they were able to really experience life, not just, you know, them, you know, being able to run and play and, and be, you know, there on the land, but they were able to hear all the different sounds and see all the different animals who started to come out again. Because if you're only there for a short time period, you don't see that life the way you do when you're not there. And so that's the one thing I think about is, you know, as people, how we've destroyed that for all other animals, for mm. all other creation. We're in their space. Mm. That's where they always are. And so sometimes as people, you know, you said it, that we think that, you know, it's us. And it's not just about us. You see families, you know, you, 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 you see um, they, 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 they let you see them. So, I mean, that's one thing that, that I've experienced that I, I truly um, enjoy just hearing, like, you know, the animals at night. Um, it's just a, it's a different kind of feeling. It's something that we need to be aware of because too often we're numb to that, okay. especially if you live in the city. If you're living in a city, and I say that because we've traveled, uh, you know, throughout California now, and just the traffic alone is like chaos coming through. And so when you're coming from a holy place like, like Oak Flat, where, you know, where it's peaceful, you know, you, you, you don't hear all these. Now, there's that um, annoying sound of the mind. It's a constant hum that you hear. But. Uh, it's a whole different thing than the driving into uh, rush hour traffic in, in L.A. And, and for those that do that, you know, San Francisco, you got to find some peace somewhere. But my, uh, that, my example is that we're, we become numb due to life and, and what's really important in this world when we are surrounded by, you know, uh, this constant uh, chaos. You know, we get... That's where the disconnect comes with, with the environment and the land, with that sense of life and other beings. Just, just my example I'd like to share. Thank you. Oh, thank you. No, I was, uh, I mean, living, so many even Native folks live out uh, in the city environment and even non-Native, you know, majority of pe- non-Native people live in this city. And so it's just, it's full of distractions and it's real easy to, to, to be distracted and not have that space to have those connections uh, with other relations. So thank you for, for sharing that. And um, I don't know, Vanessa, did you want to add to that? or? Well, I think my sister explains it very well. And um, yeah, I think she explains it very well. We know, though, that, you know, um, when my dad moved back to Oak Flat, he would tell us, like, um, you know, it was... Uh, he wasn't worried about the U.S. government, you know, because when you go, when you stay at a at a campsite uh, at a fort, at the Forest Service or the Forest Lands campsite, you only have like 13 or 14 days. Right. And um, and so we were all waiting to see if they were gonna uh, kick him out past the the 13 days. So on that 14th day, we're waiting to see if they're gonna remove him, and uh, but they didn't. And then um, so he had talked about like his story was being accepted by the, the deities and by the, the life that you, you talk about that's there. The relations, our trees, uh, the, the animals, all of it. And uh, what he was very, uh, 
he cries, he gets emotional when he talks about it because he said that, you know, he would go on his morning runs and hikes and uh, at Oak Flat, and he got to see what his ancestors saw because we believe everything's alive and everything has a spirit. And so there was two things he would talk about is uh, watching the deer. He would follow the track, but he said he knew they were watching him. He would knew, you know, he knew um, that they are weary of him. Mm-hmm. And and then by like the six months or so, they would they would show themselves. So they started to trust him, you know. And he was building that relationship. And even at one point, we're, we were, we laughed because we we're at, visiting him, and we saw a whole bunch of deer tracks in front of his where he stayed. And uh, and he were like, we're saying, look, they're watching you, and they're laughing, you know, like. Um, but he was building that that relationship with them, and then the acorn trees you know he saw them as they started to sprout and then turn into the nut and then as they grew and watched and he says you know to him he knew what his ancestors felt and watching it come alive and then also explaining it to us like it's being a parent you know he said when uh, our mom was you know pregnant with us that he would was excited he would watch her tummy grow and you know and he knew that it was alive and we were there and, and then we were born he said that's how the acorn is and so you know he does you know we do know that like you said as indigenous people it's just not us humans that everything is alive and everything has a spirit and so when we go to oak to oak but you know we greet the trees we touch it we say hello doctor. you know i hear thank you for being and allowing us to be here Thank you for always looking after us and providing that food and that and that um, shelter. You know, as we sit underneath your tree, I hear. You know, I, I get our kids. My sister and I, we have our kids touch it because we know it's alive. You know, I tell my little one, my one-year-old, hug it, say, "I love you." I hear. You know, it's just she does. I mean, those are those um, teachings that we need to instill in our children because it's become such a norm to. Uh, to kill off our natural resources. You know, I don't think anybody gives it a second thought when you cut down a tree, you know, um, especially when it comes to economic development. I think they're just used to, like, bulldozing the ground and, and removing those rocks, even though rock is alive, you know, and it's, it's one of the oldest things that are here in this world. Now, before any of us exist, you know, it was, we, we talk about these things, so, you know, you, you know, that's a good question, but like my sister explained, her perspective, especially being a part of such a beautiful ceremony and then knowing what our, our father witnesses, you know, as he shares his, his life there. Hello, Vanessa. Thank you for those good words. And I've had the honor and pleasure to visit uh, Oak Flat during the first uh, weekend of the spiritual camp. It's uh, a beautiful place, uh, it's beautiful company, beautiful time, uh, great relations and hospitalities. And And I know um, uh, you're, both of you are on your journey up to San Francisco, California for the Ninth Circuit Court hearing to seek the injunction to stop this land exchange to protect and save Oak Flat, what can listeners do to support the Apache stronghold, the San Carlos Apache Nation, and surrounding indigenous nations? We will be at uh, the federal building on 7th and Mission um, in San Francisco on Wednesday the 20th from 4 to 6. 
and we're having our prayer vigil there. Uh, we have a whole lineup uh, of different speakers that will come up, um, tribes and, and religious people from around the world um, that are that stand with us, and we'll be there praying at uh, the federal building. And that's this Wednesday, the 20th, from 4 to 6, uh, Federal Building on 7th and Mission. On Thursday, uh, we have a day of prayer. And we ask that anyone around the world, wherever you're at, if you can say a prayer for, for, for Oak Flat, for you know, the people, for the healing of the people and our land and our water, um, you know, those things that um, give us life, enable us to, to, to be here. Um, you know, we ask that you, you, you say a prayer for, the, for that, for the people. Um, and that uh, we also will be at the uh, Civic Center in San Francisco from 10 to 2. Uh, we have many uh, religious people coming out to say prayers. We have uh, tribes coming out to share songs. And we have uh, the Pomo coming down to, to do one mm-hmm. of their shakeheads. And so we will be there um that day on Thursday, but it doesn't matter what time, what place, where you are, if you could say a prayer uh, on Thursday with us. And then um, on Friday, the day of hearing, um, we will have a listening session. Um, That listening session will be in the same location, San Francisco Civic Center. Um, The the case is um, from from 9 to 1 o'clock. Uh, we don't know the exact time yet, and that's because, um, you know, uh, due to COVID, things, things are, are different. Um, but we will be there from 9 to 1 o'clock for a listening session, and uh, there will also be a silent vigil because Oak Flat is on death row. And so we are going to stand uh, in prayer, um, and we hope that these judges won't be clouded um, by, you know, all that that can distract someone, you know, whether it be politics, uh, corporate money, you know, all these things, that those things don't interfere with a moral judgment of, uh, of these people that are going, that have the power to, to stop what, what's going to happen. Um, so please, please be with us. Uh, day of prayer, Thursday the 21st, say a prayer. Wherever you're at, say a prayer. Uh, that's what we need, and that's what we're asking for, is we, we need prayers. Yes. Um, like my sister had gave all the, the rundown of the events that are happening, but we also would like you to reach out to your senators, reach out to your congresspeople, have them support the Sable Flat Act. Um, no matter where you're at, no matter what state you're in, um, you can call our senators in Arizona. You can call your senators and congresspeople in your state and encourage them to do what's right. Tell them they are leaders and they were put in these positions for the people. And the people are saying protect OPSA. You know, uh, and so we encourage that. Please reach out there because, like my sister said, death row, uh, OPSA is on death row. And we need congressional decision, congressional decisions made in order to protect it because um, there's no laws right now to protect indigenous people and their way of life and their religion. So we're asking everyone, can you please reach out and and uh, push them to to uh, support disabled flat. The moment of silence is over. <laughs> 
And that was Leanne Bighorse and Vanessa Nosi of the San Carlos Apache Nation and the Apache Stronghold. The Apache Stronghold continues to be at the forefront in the protection and saving Oak Flat, an active cultural sacred site to the San Carlos Apache Nation and surrounding Native American nations. For more information on the Apache Stronghold, you can visit their website at www.apache-stronghold.com. We'd like to remind listeners that KPFK is in its fun drive, and if you appreciate the work we do here on American Indian Airwaves and KPFK, please support the station in one of several ways. You can visit the kpfk.org website and become a KPFK Monthly Sustainer Circle member by clicking on the pledge widget and making monthly donations in dollar denominations of your choice or pick up the brand new book, Red Nation Rising from Border Town Violence to Native Liberation. It is a $100 thank you item and you can pick that up by calling 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK or visit the kpfk.org website. And that concludes our show for today here on American Indian Airwaves. A special thank you to our guests, Leanne Bighorse and Vanessa Nosi. A special thank you to our musical guests, Aragon Star, Koopa Aina, and the band Blackfire. American Indian Airwaves is mixed and mastered in the studio of Burnt Swamp Studio in Signal Hill, California. For Marcus Lopez, I've been your host, Larry Smith. Until next time. Silence is over.